Hello and welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. This morning we're going to be looking at the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. And the title of the message this morning is going to be Don't Quit. Please enjoy. Jeremiah chapter 1 this morning. Um, if you have your places in the Word of God, I'm going to ask you one last time to stand in respect and reverence to the Word of God. We'll begin reading verse number 1. We'll read not, not all the chapter, but a good portion of it. The Bible says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anthanoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Amnon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, under the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. Then the the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations." Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. Whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day uh, set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. And the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call... uh, Actually, let's skip down to verse number 17. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all I have commanded thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. The title of the message this morning is Don't Quit. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you've done for us today. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the message this morning. I pray that you'd be with hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with our people. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will fill this place and you'd give us your power. Lord, may the Spirit of God do something special in this service this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are many times in my life when I have... Uh, quit. I've wanted to quit. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've quit a lot of jobs that I probably shouldn't have quit. You know, I've, I've done that before. And, you know, um, and I'll be honest with you. 
I've wanted to walk out on God a couple of times. I actually did quit Bible college twice before I came back and finished. I quit twice. I've wanted to quit church. I've wanted to quit the ministry on more than one occasion. But I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I stayed here. And I'm, and I'm glad I'm right where God wants me to be right here at Chessboro. But, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. And some of you that were here can testify. Uh, my first here year was a little rough. There were some influences here that tested my resolve to stay. But I, I praise the Lord that I decided to stay. Because I'm right where God wants me to be. I'm glad that I did not quit. We are all tempted at some point or another to quit on God. Every single one of us, we're tempted to quit on God. We're tempted to quit tithing. We're tempted to quit going to church. We're tempted to quit praying. We're tempted to quit reading our Bible. We're tempted to quit our ministry. We're even tempted to quit God altogether. We're tempted to do these things. The fuel that we use to quit God is excuses. As human beings, we are really good at coming up with excuses. We're extremely, we're professionals at coming up with excuses. I don't know. I don't know how. I didn't understand. I couldn't find the right tools. The voices told me to clean my guns today. I have a doctor's appointment. I threw out my back bowling. It's not hard to come up with an excuse. And as Christians, we do the same thing with God in our spiritual life is we come up with all sorts of excuses why we should quit. It's the preacher's job. It's not my gift. I've already served. Let somebody else do it. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too old. I'm too young. Excuse, excuse, excuse. And, you know, it's funny when somebody leaves church, they actually they they left a long time before they actually left. What I mean is they checked out mentally a long time ago. They're just now physically leaving. So let's hold off on that. Let's talk about Jeremiah for a second. We see in verse one here, it says the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah. Well, We see, first of all, that Jeremiah was from a good family. Jeremiah's dad was a priest. Jeremiah's granddad was a priest. Jeremiah's brothers were priests. When Jeremiah was born, his family assumed that Jeremiah himself would be a priest. And they raised him as such. So Jeremiah had a good family. Jeremiah had a good upbringing. Now, I want also you to know that Jeremiah's dad was named Hilkiah. He was a priest. But when when Jeremiah was growing up, there was also a high priest named Hilkiah. Now, some people say that the high priest Hilkiah was Jeremiah's dad. And while that's not outside the realm of possibility, I tend to, you know, if, if if Hilkiah, Jeremiah's dad, was the high priest, I think it would have been mentioned here. I also think, you know, the Bible says that Jeremiah's dad lived in Anthonoth. Anthonoth was about three miles north of Jerusalem. And while it's not outside the realm of possibility for Jeremiah's dad to be the high priest, really the high priest really lived in Jerusalem. So let's continue on to verse 1. It says, of the priests that were in Anthonoth in the land of Benjamin. So speaking of Anthonoth, 
Anthanoth was a Levitical city. It was a city given to the children of Aaron in the land of Benjamin. And it was a city of priests and it was a city of church workers. So needless to say, it was a good place to grow up. So not only did Jeremiah have a good family, Jeremiah grew up in the Mayberry of his day. He grew up in a good place. The Bible says in verse number five, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet among the nations. Jeremiah's family, when Jeremiah was born, they assumed that he would be a priest. But God had other plans for Jeremiah. God had other plans. You know, you can't read this verse without making this statement that God didn't ordain a fetus. God didn't ordain a lump of cells. He ordained a living person inside the womb of his mother. A baby inside the womb from conception is a living, breathing person. But you know, all through the Word of God, when you study the Word of God, what you're going to find is you're going to find men making excuses. Excuse after excuse on why I can't serve God. Excuse after excuse on why I have to quit. Just excuse after excuse. And probably the most famous excuse maker was old Moses. Moses was a good excuse maker. Man, when God called Moses, he had all his excuses ready to go. Earlier this year, around the new year, we learned about a man named Barzillai. Barzillai had his excuses too. In fact, Barzillai actually used his excuses to actually quit on God. Jeremiah is no different. Jeremiah is human. When God called Jeremiah, he had every excuse ready. He had every excuse when God called him to be a prophet. You know, the same excuses that Jeremiah used to try to quit are the same excuses that me and you use to try to quit. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 1 and we're going to take a look at the excuses that Jeremiah had to quit and we're going to combat those excuses with a promise of God. Number one this morning is the excuse number one, the task is demanding. The task is is demanding. We see in the last part of verse 5 that God said, I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. You know, a prophet is a chosen spokesman of God, and his job was to declare the word of God. You know, many times when somebody says the word prophet, they think of somebody telling the future. A prophet was more somebody who preach to the present about future consequences. That's what a prophet's job was. A prophet would preach on sin and a prophet would preach on the consequences of that sin. It was a hard and thankless job. It was not a glorious job. It was a thankless job. And Jeremiah would be hated for it. Now on the surface, you wouldn't think that a prophet and a priest, you think their jobs would be similar that they'd do similar things and that there wouldn't be a big difference in the two, but you'd actually be wrong. There are several big differences between a prophet and a priest. One thing is that a priest knew exactly what was expected of them. It was spelled out in the Word of God. A priest knew exactly what they were supposed to do. 
A prophet, however, did not know what they were supposed to do until God revealed it to them. Priests were born in the same tribe in Israel. All the priests came from the same tribe. Whereas a prophet could be born in any tribe in Israel. A priest dealt with external things like rituals and rites and services and offerings where a prophet dealt with the heart. A prophet tried to reach in and change people's hearts. A priest would deal with individuals on various needs, but prophets, prophets would preach to a whole nation. And most of the time, that whole nation hated the prophet for his message. Prophets were hated. Priests had stable lives. A priest had a dependable income. A priest lived off the offerings and sacrifices of the people. They had a stable place to live. They had a steady income. They had, they had a three-course meal every day. Whereas a prophet most of the time didn't know each day-to-day where he would sleep. Wouldn't know day-to-day where his next meal would come from. That was the life as a prophet. Now Jeremiah being raised to be a priest... He knew the difference between a priest and a prophet. And when God called Jeremiah to be a prophet, he knew what he was getting into. Jeremiah knew what was about to happen. And you know, when Jeremiah was first called to be a prophet, things weren't that bad in Jerusalem. Things weren't that bad. You see, when Jeremiah was growing up, there was a young king, a young king named Josiah. Now, Josiah had an evil grandfather who was king before him, King Manasseh. King Manasseh was very evil. We talked about him last week. Did many, many atrocious things. And Manasseh did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the evilness of Manasseh would bring great reproach and great affliction to Israel. But Josiah, Josiah was a good king. Josiah did that which was right in the eyes of God. Now, Jeremiah knew because of what old King Manasseh did that Israel would have to suffer. suffer. He knew that because he was a prophet. But he also knew that God gave Josiah a a, a promise. God told Josiah, you know, Josiah, you're, you're doing a good job. I'll make you a promise, Josiah. As long as you're alive, I'll give you peace. As long as you're alive, I'll give you peace. You know, You know, Jeremiah and Josiah were around the same age. So Jeremiah probably thought, you know, this is this isn't a bad deal. I mean, me and this king are the same age and, you know, we're probably going to pass off the scene around about the same time. So God promised that Israel, nothing's going to harm Israel as long as Josiah is the king and we're about the same age. So, hey, no, this might not be a bad deal. If I pass off the scene before him, I, I missed it. And if he passes off the scene before me, I've just got a few years and I'll follow. So maybe this isn't such a bad deal. Well, the problem is that even a good king can make a mistake. And even a good king can mess up. And poor old Josiah, he messed up. You see, he went to battle against the king of Egypt without consulting God. Maybe he thought that God's promise would protect him. But it didn't. And old King Josiah died at the ripe old age of 39 years old. Bible says in 2 Chronicles 25, uh, 35, 25, that Jeremiah mourned after Josiah. 
That verse says, And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and singing women spake of Josiah and their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel, and behold, they are written in the lamentations. You know, old Jeremiah, he was at Josiah's funeral. He was mourning Josiah. You know, there's a good possibility that they were friends. He was a prophet. Josiah was a king. They were about the same age. There's a very good possibility that they were friends, and that's one of the reasons that he was mourning. But I know for a fact that one of the reasons why he was mourning Josiah, because this good king was the only thing holding back the wrath of God, and now he's gone. And Jeremiah knows what's about to come. You know, maybe that's one of the places in Jeremiah's life where he wanted to quit. Maybe that was one of the places where he said, God, you asked too much of me. You know, Jesus was called to be a prophet too. Jesus traveled all over Israel telling people, you're not guaranteed heaven just because you're Jewish. Most people did not accept his message of repentance. They didn't want to change. So here's the promise. Here's the promise to combat that excuse. God may may. God may assign you a demanding task, but, you know, he keeps calling us. Uh, he, he, his call keeps us going when we don't want to go and are ready to, ready to quit. It's his call that keeps pushing us. See, we have the promise of God's purpose. We have the promise of God's purpose. Verse number five. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. That, that verb knew in that verse, it means more than just being aware of. It means that, that, that there is a worth and there is a purpose in the person that is being known. See, God knew, God knew Jeremiah. He chose Jeremiah. He appointed Jeremiah. He was known by name, handpicked by God, and commissioned to serve. Christian, just like Jeremiah, you too have a purpose. You have a purpose. But we're so afraid to let go of our own plans. Fear grips us. Because of fear, we're so afraid to let go of our own plans. But you know what? God has a plan for us and God has a purpose for us. That purpose can't be realized if you quit. That plan can't be realized if you quit. See, Jeremiah and Jesus, they both accepted that their futures were not their own. And that's something we need to do today as Christians. Number two, my talent is inadequate. My talent is inadequate. Verse number six. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. You know, Jeremiah was afraid of. Jeremiah said, you know what, God, I'm, 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 an, inad- I'm, I'm an inadequate pub- public speaker. I'm not good at getting up in front of a crowd and speaking. I don't speak well. Hold on a second. That sounds familiar. I think I've read that before in the Bible. I think there was somebody else that used that excuse. I think Moses used that excuse. Moses said the same thing. Moses said, God, I can't speak. I stutter and I stammer. God, I can't speak. And then God said, hey, look who's walking up over there. And Moses looked and said, oh, hey, that's Aaron. Hey, Aaron. 
And so he, he, he's walking up, and, he, and Aaron's going to talk to him. And God said, hey, look, uh, Aaron's going to speak for you. But you know, I read this Bible, and I can't, see, I can't find a lot of places where Aaron said a whole bunch of nothing. Uh, in fact, most of the time when they were speaking to Pharaoh, it was Moses who was doing the talking. So was Moses' excuse true? No, it wasn't. Moses' excuse was not true true so that's just like jeremiah jeremiah's excuse wasn't true we read through the book of jeremiah we read through the book of lamentations and we see that jeremiah was an exceptionally good speaker he had that talent so jeremiah's objection wasn't true even when jeremiah speaks to god he's able to articulate what he wants to say so the fact is it's not that he thinks that Deep down, he knows he has the ability. He knows he has the talent. He's just making up an excuse because he's afraid. He's afraid to use his talent. Anytime I have a job where I have to do sales, I excel at it. I have, God gave me the ability to preach, and that actually transfers over to a sales job. I have a sales job now. I do pretty good. Now, just let me stop right there. I am nothing. I have ability and talent. I have opportunity because God gave me all three. Brett Martin is not anything. Jesus gets all the credit. Okay? But the thing is, is that we all have these talents. We all have these abilities that God has inborn us, that God has gave us in order to serve him. Now, some of us have taken these talents and we went out in the world and we use these talents for our secular jobs. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some of you are good teachers. God gave you the ability to teach. And you've went out and you've got a job teaching. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is when God gives you a talent and you use it for yourself and you never, you never use it for him. That's where the problem comes in. People don't teach a kid's class not because... They can't speak to them. They don't teach it because they're afraid to. You don't help out with the teens, not because you don't think you have the ability, it's because you're afraid to. You don't talk to your family about God, not because you think you'll mess it up, it's because you're afraid to. So now that we know why we feel inadequate, the reason why we feel that our talent is not enough is because of fear. So what's the root of that fear? I'll tell you what the root of that fear is. The root of that fear is pride. I really enjoy VBS. I don't know if y'all can tell that or not. I don't know if you can tell. But I love VBS. I love it so much that when, how you see me do VBS, that's how my pastor did it. I wish I could say I come up with that on my own, but I didn't. I took my youth pastor and my pastor, Brother Kim and Brother Dennis, I kind of put the two together, and how I do VBS is how they did VBS. So I, I, and I, I, I kind of, I agree with Brother Jay, I kind of like, I'm a big kid myself when it comes to that VBS stuff. I love singing the songs. I love doing the silly motions. Make them out in my heart. I love that stuff. I love being silly with the kids. And some of you adults loved it too. I saw you up there singing. I saw some of you adults singing and enjoying that. And that's great. That's good. But did you notice 
Did you happen to notice most of the teenagers? Maybe one or two didn't do this, but here's what most of the teenagers did. When we all stood up to sing, they stayed in their seat. They didn't sing. Kind of stone-faced. Maybe a couple of them cracked a couple smiles. They didn't sing the songs. They didn't stand. They didn't do the motions. You want to know why? Because they were prideful. They're prideful. Oh, I'm, I'm too cool to do those silly songs. I'm afraid of what people will think of me. Look, look being a teenager, it's, it's kind of a transition. You're transitioning from a, from a child to an adult. You really care about what people think of you. Um, a, a teenager's a big sin, a big problem with teenagers is pride. Teenagers have a lot of pride. But the reason why they didn't do that, why they didn't participate, is out of pride. We have fooled ourselves into thinking that we aren't adequate enough to serve God, even though we have the ability, but it's just being suppressed by fear out of pride. So what's the promise here? Our talent may appear inadequate, but God always equips those who call, we, uh, those that he calls. We have the promise of God's provision. We have the promise of God's provision. Verse number nine. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in my mouth. The touch wasn't there to give Jeremiah the, 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 the talent of prophecy. He had that during birth. Um, it was there to inspire Jeremiah. It was there to empower Jeremiah. You know, Jesus experienced this touch from God. He experienced it in a very visible and profound way. After Jesus was baptized, he came up straightway out of the water, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and lighted on him, and a voice came from heaven, and he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Let me tell you something. God doesn't have to use the most gifted person. God doesn't have to use the most talented person, but one that's touched by the hand of God. God will use the most unlikeliest of people to shake up a church. God will use the most unlikeliest of people to shake up a community. God will use the most unlikeliest of people to shake up a nation. He doesn't care about who wins the talent show. He cares about someone who's been touched by God. And you know you have a God-given ability. You know you have a talent. You've been using it in the secular world for years. It's time to use it for God. If you have a God-given ability, you've been touched by God, and never, un never underestimate the power of a touch, especially when it's God who does the touching. Number three, excuse number three, the time is not right. The time is not right. Verse six, the end of verse six, for I am a child. Now the same word child here in other places of the Old Testament is translated as young man. So it, around this time, Jeremiah was between 17 and 25 years of age when he was called. And either he was young in years, so he felt like he'd be disregarded, or he was so lacking in experience, he thought that he would be, uh, wouldn't be respected. But regardless of that, let me tell you how Jeremiah felt, and maybe you can sympathize with Jeremiah. Jeremiah felt inferior. He felt inexperienced. He felt intimidated. You ever feel like that? 
Basically, he didn't feel ready. It's like, God, I know what you want me to do, but whoo, I am not ready for this. You know, there's a saying, if, if you wait to the right time to have kids, you'll never have them. You know? Um, you know, oh, I need to be financially stable before I have kids. Well, <laughs> you're not going to have any kids then. Okay? It's not going to happen. You know, instead, just have kids when God tells you to have kids. But, you know, God will probably call you to work for him at an inconvenient time. When anyone disrupts your routine, it's always inconvenient. But, okay, so what's the promise here? This is God's promise to Jeremiah. God's call may come at an inopportune time, but God never sends forth his servant alone. We have the promise of God's presence. Let's look at verse number seven and eight. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. God said, Don't worry about the timing. Let me worry about the timing, because I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about your authority, because you got my authority, because I'll be with you. But this promise has prerequisites. Jeremiah couldn't feel the presence of God until he did three things. He had to go where God told him to go, speak what God told him to speak, and he had to reject fear. Then and only then was he going to feel the presence of God. You're not going to feel the presence of God in your calling until you take that first step. If you know what God tells you to do, you say, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until I got, feel God's presence and I really feel him on this uh, before I do it. So I'm just going to wait. And you're going to be waiting a long time. So you have to take that first step. You have to go where God tells you to go. You have to speak what he tells you to speak. And you have to reject that fear. If you don't do that, fear will hold you back. It's not about waiting until I feel ready. It's about obeying the word of the Lord. Once you get busy, then you will feel the presence of God. Then you will feel the blessings of God on your life. Some of you, you have been convicted about a ministry. There's some way that God wants you to serve him, and you've been thinking about it. You've been thinking about coming to me and talking about it. Man, I want to serve God, and I want to do something for him. I've been thinking about, but the time, no, this time's not ready yet. I don't feel, I mean, I know God wants me to do it, but it's just not time. It's, it's not the timing. It's not mine, your job, to decide the time. It's God's job to decide the time. It's time for us to obey what a difference it makes knowing that we are being sent, that someone's going with us. We know we don't have to walk that lonesome road alone. We have a traveling companion. Number four this morning, the teaching is dangerous. The teaching is dangerous. The Lord did not give Jeremiah a joyful message of deliverance. The Lord gave Jeremiah a tragic message of judgment. For this message, he would, be mis he would be misunderstood, he would be persecuted, he'd be arrested, he would be imprisoned. More than once, Jeremiah's life was threatened. 
The people didn't want to hear the truth. He told them plainly they were defying the Lord, they were disobeying the law, and they were destined for judgment. And what image did God use here? He used the image of a boiling pot. Look at, uh, look at, look at verse number 13. This is to communicate his wrath. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Jewish homes would have this big washing pot or this big cooking pot and just be just be boiling. But you see, the Jeremiah's pot that he saw was different because it wasn't level. It was tilted away from the north towards the south. And at any moment, that pot was going to fall over and scald and burn the southern kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem. You know what that pot rep rep represented? It represented Babylon. Babylon that would invade and would conquer Israel. The reason for Israel's judgment was their idolatry and their rebellion against the righteous will of God. Now, I'll always say this when I talk about persecution. Me and you don't know what persecution really is. There are places in this world where Christians are getting persecuted and we don't know what persecution really is. Christians in the past have been persecuted and we don't know what persecution really is in America. But it's also true at the same time that being an active Christian in America is getting more dangerous and more dangerous. The liberals are out to get me and you. The atheistic crowd is out to get me and you. The crowd that preaches tolerance is intolerant when it comes to Christians. And when you're active in your ministry and active in church, some, maybe even some of your family members may turn against you. Jesus' teaching contained mercy and judgment. It contained grace and punishment. See, Jesus' teaching was dangerous because it got him killed. But see, here's the promise. When God's, when, what God says through us may be dangerous, but he gives us the strength to endure. Here's the promise. We have the promise of God's prevailing. The promise of God's prevailing. Let's read verses 18 and 19. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, and against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. I want you to notice the architectural terms in this verse. A fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze walls. These things are unshakable. They're as unshake unshakable as the God that made them. And they're as unshakable as the prophet who follows the God that made them. God told Jeremiah, attack you, they will. Overcome you, they can't. The person who stands with God will prevail. Someone, said when you someone once said, when you stand with God, you're in the majority. Alone we are helpless, but with God we will prevail. Number five, last excuse. Do I have to go now? Do I have to go now? You know what God was expecting from Jeremiah? Immediate action. Right now. 
Verse 17. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command. In Jeremiah's day, when somebody was ready to run or somebody was ready to work, they had to secure their loose robes. So what they would do is they would do what we call, they gird their loins. I've explained this several times, but what they would do is they would reach in between their legs and they'd grab the front and back of their robe and they'd pull it up in between their legs and stuff it in their belt. And that was called girding their loins. Underneath, they had these pant, wore these pant-like things called, uh, called breeches. Is where we get the term britches. They had pants under there. When, they were, when it was time to go to work, it was time to gird your loins. You know what we say today? We say it's time to roll up your sleeves. When someone says it's time to roll up your sleeves, it means it's time to get dirty. It's time to get busy. It's time to do some work. Roll up your sleeves. God told Jeremiah to act. He was called to move out among the people. He was called to deliver an offensive message. He would not be welcomed. He would not be accepted. He would anger his hearers. You know, Jesus obeyed. You know, whatever you think of Jesus, remember this. Jesus had a willing heart. Jesus had an obedient heart. He always did what the Father directed him to do. There was no hesitation. There was no questioning. There was no circumventing. There was only immediate action. Don't be guilty of saying, I'll do it later. Don't be guilty of saying that. We all have only so much time on this earth. And you know, in 10,000 years, when we're all in eternity, the amount, of time, the amount of time we had in this life really won't matter. What will matter, though, is what we did with the amount of time that we had. That's what will really matter. Don't put it off for later. If you're going to serve God, serve God now. Don't quit. There was a missionary in North Africa. His name was Frederick Nolan. Him and his village were under terrible persecution. He had sent his family away. He was there ministering to his village. One day his village was infiltrated by these militants with machine guns, chasing people away, shooting people, killing people. Frederick Nolan, he hit the jungle and started running. He was the one the militants were really after. And he was running and running and they were chasing him down and shooting at, at them and they were shooting at him and they were gaining on him and then he ran he just couldn't run anymore and he, he, he fell out on the ground exhausted and said, God, I just can't. I might as well quit. I might as well give up. I can't go any further, God. I can't do it. I might as well just let them have me. I quit. Something inside of Frederick Nolan said, don't don't quit. Don't quit. Not yet. Don't quit. He mustered the last strength he, got, he had. He got up off the jungle floor. He went a few more steps. And when he made a few more steps, he saw this little cave, this little opening in the side of a little hill. Frederick Nolan jumped in that cave and turned around and the opening of the cave was there. And he said, there's no way, there's no way this is going to hide me. They're going to find me. He could hear the militants coming through the jungle. A few moments after he was in the cave, he saw a spider begin to make a web on the entrance of that cave. A few minutes later, 
that spider had covered the entrance of that cave with a spider web. And the militants came through and they found the cave and they saw the opening, but they saw the spider web which was covering the opening. And they said to themselves, well, there's no way he's in there. And they left. And Frederick Nolan escaped. After he escaped, he made this statement. He said, with God, a spider web is like a wall. And without God, a wall is like a spider web. He did not quit. Has God called you? If God's called you, then he will fulfill his purpose in you. He will equip you. He will enable you. He will protect you. He will accompany you. Are you obeying his commands? If you're obeying his commands, he will protect you. Are you sharing his word? Then he will accomplish his will and purpose in you no matter how people respond. Now, why did I say all this this morning? Because there's someone in here today you want to quit. I don't know what you want to quit. Maybe you want to quit church. Maybe you want to quit God. Maybe you want to quit your marriage. I don't know. But someone in here today, you're thinking about quitting. And I'm here to tell you this morning, don't let those excuses feel you giving up. Please, 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 don't give up on God.